Hey, 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 welcome back. Another great episode zooming in from beautiful Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. We have Amanda Bolin and Amanda is a multifamily investor. And today we're going to take a deep dive into what does that mean, especially in the prairie provinces of Canada. So Amanda, welcome to the show. Great to see you. Yeah, it's good to be on here today. The sun is shining and it's beautiful and we are relishing the summer weather before winter returns. <laughs> exactly. And goodness knows when this is going to be coming out. It might be fall or or early winter by the time people hear this. But bottom line, Amanda, uh, tell us a little bit about your backstory. Like what first sparked you about real estate investing? And then was that a direct jump into multifamily or did you kind of do a progression? Oh, yeah. So... I would say back in 16, the thought was there to pursue it one day. Maybe it was the HGTV shows. Maybe it was that kind of thing. And one night I was watching some YouTube videos and they were just random investor videos. And in the sidebar, this video pops up that says why you should own multifamily apartment buildings. And I was like, oh, why should I own that? And so I clicked (laughs) it and I had never thought of apartment buildings before. And it was Grant Cardone. So people love him. Some people hate him. Yeah. It's a lot of mixed feelings. Um, But it was actually the first one that I watched. And I watched this episode and he was doing like these live streams and he would break down the business. So he explained Mm -hmm. how the business works. And at that moment, it was like, wait, what? This is why we should do it. So I'm like quickly smacking my husband, kind of like tapping him on the shoulder and be like, hey, you need to watch this. And it just really resonated. So the idea, I guess, was planted at that moment. I'd never thought about apartment buildings being owned like individuals like you and I. And it just kind of dawned on me that we would do anything beyond rental houses down the road. And so that was kind of where the initial spark happened. It was still a journey to get there, but that's, I guess, the initial spark. So what what did the first deals look like? Did you jump right into multifamily or did you start with single family homes or what did it, how'd you get started? So in 18, our backs got kind of pushed up against the wall. We were oil and gas. I was a stay-at-home mom and we were kind of, we had relocated. So there was a lot of transition happening in our lives and everything kind of came to this boiling point where we worked for this company on this project. It was two, three months worth of work. And then they bailed on paying us where they weren't going to pay any of us. And there was a ton of contract. It was a massive project. And we were like in this place where we were like, okay, we're just like one project to the next, kind of getting through that rough patch. In in oil and, and gas, that's what you're talking in, about there? Yeah. yeah okay. And so, but this one particular project, there was several of us contractors that were going to get just basically like, thanks for coming out. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And so at that point, we kind of were like, okay, well, we've been treading water. Like, it just seems to be like not enough to start going somewhere. And we were okay equity-wise in our home, things like that. So we're like, well, we could sell and kind of downsize and maybe just give some breathing room, you know, take the pressure off. And then the next logical thought was we've been talking about doing something in real estate. Maybe we need our own next big project. There was no next big project for us. Mm. And so the next logical step was to jump full force into a flip with everything that we know. So we didn't know anything about creative financing. We knew nothing about raising capital. We didn't even know how to get a bank loan on this property. And it wasn't an expensive property. So we went and bought this property outright. And we put basically everything we had into it to make this flip a go. Now I had run all the numbers. I'm a numbers nerd. We had done renovations. I knew what things cost and I'm really good with spreadsheets. And so that was something we could carry into this project. And we're also very good at doing the project. 
And so we did a combination of hiring out some trades to come alongside of us. And we banged out this flip and knocked it. I would say knocked it out of the park for the first flip. Nice. And so that was our first taste. And so that <laughs> flip was like eight weeks intense. We were like three little kids, you know, childcare where we could get it kind of thing, trying to get this thing done, working probably around the clock, it seemed at times. And we just really committed to it. But during that time, my husband and I also started listening to audiobooks. And we were listening to the same books and learning about more about real estate investing, more about mindset and moving forward. And so we were able to take that time and kind of be like chatting with each other. And it, somehow we didn't kill each other through this project. <laughs> Probably because you're listening to those audio books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mindset works, guys. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of where our initial start was. So in 18, basically, we started with flips. We did the first one. It was successful got that fall, the second one. And during that process, we suddenly flipped from why does multifamily have to be down the road? Why not now? And during that, we had started hearing about raising capital, partnerships, working with other people. And we'd been going solo at this point. And we just didn't know how to start partnering. That's a big, overwhelming step when you haven't done it before, or you don't know anybody who's done it. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the point where I would say mindset started to make the shift into multifamily. So in 19, we definitively made the decision to pursue multifamily. And it was early 2020 that we closed on our first multifamily. So right at smack at the beginning of COVID, that's when you closed on your first apartment building. Yeah. Yeah. No, no pressure there. Hey, uh, it was April 1st of 2020 when we took possession and we pulled conditions beginning of March. What, 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 size, what size property was that first one? It was a 12 unit Ooh, apartment building nice. right yeah. here in Saskatoon, great neighborhood. Excellent. So, okay. So you're, you went from doing two flips where you kind of, self-taught then you listen to some books about multifamily and mindset then you decided to pull the 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 trigger on your first multifamily property did you bring partners on from the very first right from the get-go or did you self-finance that first one yeah so that first deal our plan was to go into multifamily we had somebody approach us interested in partnering with us and so this person had been on our, I would say a professional team in, and so they had seen the process of our flips and what was happening. And they had approached us to potentially partner a multifamily as they were interested in real estate as well. And so once we realized we were both wanting that, so then we'd start talking about maybe tackling a property, maybe six or eight units, mm -hmm. um, kind of in that $750,000 range at the time was in our kind of head. And our thought process around that was basically to take in our first deal, we would, could go out and buy a house for that price. So if we bought an apartment building that made money for that price, you know, it'd be comfortable step yeah. transitioning into owning rentals. And so we had pursued that. Um, and then we came upon this, a random ad, kind of not a whole lot of information about this apartment building on Kijiji. And this deal was now, I didn't know what it was. There was no price. There was no real information. So I just <laughs> sent a message a shot in the dark to get information and find out what this is. Yeah. And it wound up being a 12 unit in a great area. It was an all concrete building, like, like nice. brick masonry construction. It was basically like an amazing deal. And because I'd been looking at a bunch of deals, suddenly it had a seven figure price tag, which was a bit of like a hurdle. Like, oh, okay. We were talking 750. Now we look at it and laugh about that. But when we went back to our potential partner and saying like, hey, what do you think? It was also a mindset hurdle for them. It was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we were Good looking big. at something that was, yeah, it was something that was maybe 750. Now we're talking like over a million. So that's mm -hmm. 
you know, I'm not sure. And totally fair. We're brand new to multifamily. I get it. I wouldn't expect somebody to jump in immediately either, but it was kind of one of those things where it's like, when you look at the numbers and it makes sense. And that was where it suddenly clicked to us that these bigger deals in the multifamily space worked better. And so it became a no brainer that we wanted to tie this up. So I'd love to say that we simply waltzed off into the sunset and that the deal was done, but there was definitely a process to getting it. So did you end up doing the deal with that initial partner or did you have to find some other partners to come on board? How did it, how did it work out? So what wound up happening is we applied for financing and um, we started the financing. We got the building under contract and we went towards financing and our partner wasn't sure yet. And I think the worst thing to do in a partnership, we were still new to it, but in my brain in business and stuff, the worst thing to do is put like pressure on somebody to make a decision now. And that decision has to be yes, or it's all over. And so we just kind of let them be, we talked about it, like we'll figure out the comfort. We went ahead on the financing side. What we didn't realize about the financing side in commercial is that they want to see the down payment up front mm-hmm. and that the funds are ready to go for closing. I figured we had time to figure it out between <laughs> then and closing. <laughs> Not the case. Yeah. And um, so the broker, commercial broker, was very gracious and was basically like, well, come back to me when you have a down payment. And I thought the deal was dead in the water before we had even started. And so... I kind of hung up the phone and I was a little bit deflated. There'd been a couple other little hiccups here so far. And in my brain to the mortgage broker, I was like, well, we're about to put a HELOC on our house. We're just finishing renovation and we have some grain in the bin that we're planning to sell, but we don't want to sell yet, but we can sell before closing. And so in my brain, it was like, well, we can pull it together somehow. And the mortgage broker was like, yeah, no, (laughs) especially being new, right? Yeah. Grain grain in the bin. That, that, that would make sense for a Saskatoon mortgage broker, but yeah, maybe not. For- <laughs> no, no. So we, from there, I hung up the phone and my brain got to thinking, okay, wait, if they would accept at that time in the commercial space, a HELOC for the down payment portion, why wouldn't they accept a vendor take back? It's yeah. kind of like a line of credit. And so I had broached the topic during a walkthrough of the property in first meeting of the sellers. And I'd asked them the story about how they purchased their first building. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that back in the eighties, they got their very first apartment building and it happened to be in a crazy time with interest rates. And yeah. so basically the seller financed it. And I said, Hey, so we call a vendor take back. Have you heard of that? No. So then we chatted about a bit and I said, would you be interested down the road? Potentially? They said, potentially. And I said, cool. Left it at that and moved along. So now I finished this, it's probably a couple of weeks later. Yeah. I'm talking like with the mortgage broker and I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I pick up the phone, I call them up and I ask them for the vendor take back. I asked them for about double what I was after and about like an interest rate slightly lower. And they said, you know what? We'll talk about it. We'll get back to you. And sure enough, they got back to me and we put together a term sheet, just a rough outline to send to the lawyers of what we were going to be doing for that vendor take back. And they wound up coming back with about three quarters at the interest rate. I was hoping that we would wind up at (laughs) for the full five-year term that I was asking for to align with the CMHC mortgage we were going to put onto this property. So we wound up with a 13 and a half percent vendor take back. And then between everything else that we had, they were good. So I went back to the mortgage broker. I said, I have a term sheet. It's go time. (laughs) And so that was the time that we were able to submit to CMHC and actually continue our application process and move the ball forward. Oh, that is so exciting. So you ended up not needing a partner for that first deal because of the vendor take back. Is that correct? Yeah. So we didn't do a financial partner 
for the first deal in the sense of a traditional cash right. raise. Yes. So we wound up using the seller essentially as a partner. Yeah, as a partner. Yeah. Yeah. Except, yeah, de definitely not on the equity side, um, but as a second on the property. Exciting stuff. So, all right. So that was 2020. We're recording this August 2023. What does the portfolio look like today, Amanda, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah. So we have two multifamily buildings, 12 unit properties. Um, one is actually two sixplex townhouse style units. Um, that operated as one property. And then the other one is the first building we picked up in 2020. So April 1st of 2020, we picked up that building. And then the closing date on the next building was actually February of 2023. So we closed that, I think it was February 23rd of 2023. Yeah. yeah. Not very long ago. That's exciting. So are not you guys... 2023. Sorry, my bad. 2021. My bad. Oh, okay. One year later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Are you guys self-managing these properties? Do you have property management? You know, because you went from doing a few flips where you had no tenants to deal with to fast forward two years, and now you've got 24 tenants to deal with. Uh, what's that process been like for you? So our first year, we had property management at our one property, and it was interesting. It was a learning experience, and um, it's, it's good. But during that time, we were able to kind of learn the process. I remember picking up the keys from the seller on the closing day because it was a private deal and just thinking in my head on, especially in April of 2020, yeah. <laughs> what on earth did we just do? <laughs> like, and the sense the is like, to an end. <laughs> everybody's like, don't bother paying rent. Yeah. You know, the world's ending. We have no idea. Just everybody stay home. The streets. It was this bizarre feeling driving into the city. It was almost like it was permanently Christmas day. Like there was no traffic. Uh, it was just so strange and surreal. Right. And I remember just thinking about it. What is the worst case scenario here? It, it, you know, like three months, nobody pays rent. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, if that happens for us, it's probably happening for everybody else. We're all equally I don't know Screwed. what language we're allowed to use. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Figure that out. Sense of that one. And uh, and so that was kind of what gave us the confidence to be like, you know what? We're probably going to be okay. And you know what? The worst case didn't happen. And that yeah. first year we had property management in place. And then we parted ways a year later and we took the whole portfolio in-house. Mm -hmm. And so often I think that when owner managers take over, they can be doing all the things, right? But realistically it's a business. And so you can still hire out the yard care and hire out the cleaning and all those kinds of things right. and operate it. So we really try to keep, keep to the management side. And then if there is stuff that we do want to do, we're willing to do it or want to do it, then we have time to do it. It's something we consider, but it's definitely something that in the multifamily space, you can hire a lot out. Your manager would, and if you're managing your own properties and you want to free up your time, you should mm -hmm. probably do it too. No, that's, that is good advice. So you and your husband first got started because you were looking to create your own next big project, right? Because the, yep. the oil and gas stuff was kind of inconsistent and, and flaky yeah. and, and scary and all that kind of stuff. So fast forward a few years, you've got a couple of multifamily properties in the portfolio. Is this your full-time gig or are you guys working as well on the side? And And where does real estate investing play into your long-term plans? Yeah. So my husband was a contract rig welder and that was what he did for work. And, you know, we talked about it and especially, you know, it was a great career, great for him, especially younger, but as you get older, we're still young yet. Don't get me wrong. 
but now with the family, there's just different priorities. And so yeah. where the on the road life totally worked for us when before kids and even early on when we could travel easily when the kids weren't in school, when they slept all the time. I remember when that. they, yeah, right. They did that. <laughs> yeah. They just slept. I sat on the couch, watched Oprah. I don't know. <laughs> did not, no, I'm just kidding. So it just changed, you know, when we were talking about what our future looked like. And then the other part of it was like our retirement. It's like, how much do we have to save continually in order to create the, like the lifestyle we'd like. And that's where real estate really peaked for us. And especially after that first building, when we looked at the long-term outlook that every single month we have so much getting paid down in our mortgage yeah. and every single month we're getting cash flow on that property. What would it take for us to put that amount of cash away every month and how much effort? So when it's yeah. like, when you scale that up in multifamily and you're, you know, it'd be the same with multiple single families or things like that. It just really made sense where it's like, we've completely taken care of our future in a handful of years. And it's not a get rich quick scheme, but if you put in the work and you do it consistently, it can change a lot of things. So we do the, the multifamily, the rental stuff, we would have loved to pick up more buildings, but we just haven't found the right deal yet. Not to say nobody has, there's definitely people closing on deals and we feel like we're missing out right now, but <laughs> when the deal comes, I'd rather take a deal. that's great and works for our portfolio than force something just to say we have it. Uh -huh. So the multifamily space will keep growing. We also do land development. We've done some subdivision stuff, um, splitting off lots, acreages, things like that. And then we have a construction arm that's doing some spec builds okay. and growing in the construction space, planning to build our multifamily in the future kind of thing. So we're kind of growing the three arms together, but we're exclusively real estate focused these days, I would say. Okay. So that's, so you have really created your own next big project. In fact, you've got three different projects. And so is this, is this a full-time thing for both of you now? Yes. Yeah. yeah it's, cool. Last summer, I think Kirk picked up a stinger for the the last time that he had done it. And it was basically a project where he had been offered. It was 15 minutes from our doorstep. So he's home. Yeah. <laughs> pretty flexible with the calendar. They were like, you know, if you can get this project here and be whatever, however long you want to work kind of thing. So we took it. It was in between the kickoff of a spec. And we're like, you know what? We've got time to do this. So yeah. that was the last time. And it had been quite a while before then. So it's really cool just to have seen that transition and for him to be able to exit that and us to do this together. So just to make sure I got it right. So you've got the basis and the long-term wealth creation is the portfolio of apartment buildings. So you got the two, the two properties yeah. at the moment. Then you're doing uh, land development, you're doing some spec houses, that sort of thing. Uh, well, land development. And then you've also got the construction side of things where you are building, well, your own spec houses, plus you're doing building for other people as well, like a full-on construction yeah. type company. And eventually you want to start building your own buy, you know, build to rent multifamily properties as well. Am I getting yeah. that right? Nice. That is the goal. Yeah. That is a fantastic goal. So what, what, I guess you've kind of touched on it, but what would you say is your big why behind all of this, Amanda? We always say it's lifestyle freedom. You know, we don't talk about retirement as a thing where just, you know, you come to a stop and right now, maybe our perspectives will change down the road, but it's just like, we can't see ourselves stopping doing things that we love. And even if that changes, or 10 years from now, you know, it pivots slightly. It's really the freedom, right? And that's where, you know, whether you learn to partner and do things like that, it gives you kind of some flexibility to grow a little quicker, changes what you can tackle. Um, but for us, the biggest why I would say is just 
the freedom and flexibility of choice. And that's always, you know, what do we choose to do today? It's not that we're being lazy or flippant or not committed, but it's like, we are truly doing what we would like to be doing. And we have the lifestyle freedom to flex. Maybe it's to go to our kids' activities. Maybe it's to pop in somewhere. Maybe it's to go for an afternoon stroll just because we want to. The really cool thing about building a life as an entrepreneur in this industry, especially, is that you can really build that flexibility and freedom to be living life on your terms. Yeah. So you, you got off with that first deal. You got off to start with a potential partner, potential joint venture partner in that case. Have you worked with joint venture partners, investors, that sort of thing uh, since then? Yeah. So since that second building was only eight months later, mm -hmm. and it's crazy the credibility that goes when you have your first deal. Sometimes you just need to get it over the hurdle and it's like, okay, maybe they aren't crazy. Maybe they're a little crazy, but we're willing to join in. And so that next deal, you know, some people had been close to us that we had met through different, you know, networking events, courses, things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, they had over the years been kind of keeping in touch and we chatted and it was really building those relationships. And it's, it wasn't a necessarily like us going out and being like, Hey, you know, we're looking for some money jump in. It was like just sharing about what we're doing and having a genuine interest in what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we had some people and other investors be like, Hey, we want in on that next deal. And so once we had that next deal under contract, it was really much easier. I would say it was still an effort. We did a traditional capital raise in the sense, you know, we had a target. We'd been pretty conservative with our numbers. We don't like to push deals. And I love to say this because this is my favorite part is that we not only raised the capital for that deal, but we returned all of the capital for that deal. And so we were well ahead of schedule in two years being able to recapitalize or send that capital back to our partners so that they can put that money back to work. And we all still have ownership. So we did that as a, like a joint venture, I guess, in mm -hmm. terms of in the real estate space. And then we've also done some private lending stuff like that um, in terms of for the development or different things like that at times. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's kind of one of our things that now it's become second nature, I would guess. But so we will do either equity stuff or we'll do debt partners. It depends on the type of project. And um, yeah, we're basically open. It's once you break through that hurdle, it becomes normal. And then it's like, okay, this isn't as complicated as we thought it was. Yeah. So so the, the capital side of things sounds like it's pretty dialed in with your connections from different real estate groups, people that you've met along the way. And I would imagine now you've kind of got a, uh, a recirculation of funds because if you did the burr and you cash refinance and you're able to cash out, those investors are probably keen to reinvest with you. They definitely are. I think there's something to be said about, you know, there's lots of talk about raising the capital, but it's also the return of capital that we think is super important. Mm -hmm. And for us, like the biggest honor will be like, as each partner is able to work with us and keep going like that. And so that's, you know, we have definitely had repeat so far, especially when the shorter term projects. And uh, so it's really fun to see that cycle and then being able to build off of that as well as we grow our project types and things like that. What do you see some of the, the major hiccups or challenges being coming down the road? In terms of our portfolio, the greater, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're in, in terms of your real estate investing business. Yeah, I think the big one will be moving the next big step. And I think it's easy to get complacent and comfortable because once you kind of figure something out, it feels comfortable and you can kind of go on cruise control and maybe not hit those next goals. 
we're pretty conservative in our approach. We believe in reserve funds and things like that and making sure things are, you know, padded in safe that way as best as you can. Uh, that helps your partners in the long term. It helps your business relationships, things like that. You make better decisions when you're not pinched in a corner. And we know what that feels like and having that happen to ourselves as a result of someone else. And so it's just, it's something we never want to see happen in our business. And so that's one of the things that we really focus on. But I think the big hurdle for us will be taking that another next step. And because once again, it's somewhere beyond where we are in it. Just to get to where we are now, there was a lot of hurdles. And now we look back and we're like, oh, that was so easy. Well, it might be easy now because we've yeah. gone through the process a few times and we're seeing it from the rearview mirror. But it's it's always that next step that feels so momentous. And then just trying to get the the energy or whichever to get over that next hurdle. So, so what is the next step? What are you guys moving towards? The, I think the next big one will be starting the development space um, in the multifamily. And that's something mm. we've been actively doing in our construction side. We've, we would like to GC our projects and things like that. And so we've been legitimizing our construction company. So this has been a bit of a process. We were able to get ourselves established with new home warranty, things like that to take our company and really professionalize it to make sure mm. that, you know, we're coming forward the best way we can before lenders and even potential business partners who are looking at us like, what is your credibility in doing this? And so that's really our next big project. We'll be tackling something of a multi-unit in the new construction space. And that would be something that you want to hold on to long-term for yourself, for your portfolio. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. We definitely believe in both buckets and, you know, keep pounding that active and the passive, but Mm -hmm. we think it's really important that you remember to circle back and keep growing that passive leg and growing that long-term kind of the umbrella of your whole portfolio. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. All right, Amanda, great conversation. If people would like to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Find me on Instagram at multifamilyamanda. That's pretty simple. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, Yeah, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. All right, everybody, take care. See you on the next episode.